Thank you for being here this morning. We are, are continuing our look at the uh, Sermon on the Mount. And we know that that was probably the greatest sermon ever delivered. As Jesus, as He had gone through the countryside and He had attracted this huge group of people, probably mostly because of His ability to heal. But because of that ability to heal, they were willing to listen to what He had to say. And so... It was really a regional event where all these people from Judea and Samaria and Galilee and even on the other side of the Jordan River had come to be with Jesus, to have Him heal their sick, and then to hear what He had to say and what He had to teach. This morning we're going to talk about Matthew chapter 5, verses 38 through 48, and we're going to talk a little bit about loving like the children of God, children of God should love. And I will say that we're probably going to hit some verses here that, at least in my mind, are some of the most challenging and difficult to, to execute and to do the way God wants us to do them. Um, it's His challenge. I try to put myself in the, the position of those people who sat there and what they must have thought as they heard Jesus preach. And as He, as He raised the standard for behavior, remember that they had the, the law of Moses, and for the most part, uh, they weren't very successful at keeping that. And now, here's this guy that's coming up on, and it seems like every point, he's not only saying that, yeah, do that, but I tell you to do this also. And so we're going to see a little bit more in that line. And uh, remember, the Sermon on the Mount is a, a contrast of old law and new. And you think about the old expectations, and those old expectations were set forth in the old law that Moses delivered. That looks like an iPad there, but I doubt that it is. Um, so we've got the old law that was delivered, and the old expectations that they had. And for the most part, it was about what you did. It was about the behavior. It was about, you don't do this, and you do do that. And so... Jesus comes and he, he sets a whole new bar. These new expectations were delivered by Him and they were centered around something that's much more challenging for us to conquer and that is our heart. What is our real motive? What is our intent? So not only is it important as to what we do and of course Jesus doesn't disavow that. That's still important. But yet it's now important also that our motives are right. And as we look at these verses, I want to challenge you to think about it through that lens. Is that we want to understand that Jesus is teaching about our heart. You know, uh, years ago, uh, many of the men here, we went through a, uh, a training that Michael McCorkle put us through on building sermons. And one of the things that, that he did is he says you always have to have a purpose statement. You, there's got to be some objective you're trying to accomplish with what you're preaching. Well, I doubt Jesus wrote a purpose statement, but if he did, it would definitely have something to do with changing people's hearts, not just changing their, their deeds. And so I want us to look at it through that lens this morning because I think that's important. That uh, I'll give you a story from when I was a little boy that my little brother and I, one time we got in trouble at home, not surprising. Um, and our punishment was there was a show that we loved to watch. Most of you won't remember because you're too young to remember this, but it was called 
Dark Shadows. It's an old show. We used to watch this thing. We watched it every day. And, and our punishment was is we were not to watch the show. We didn't. We had it on. We turned and looked the other way. We never saw one frame of it. But we heard every word that was said. So I would, I would ask you the question, were we obedient to the letter of the law? Yes. Were we obedient to the Spirit? Was our heart right? Clearly not. Clearly not. And so, as we go through this, let's not be so legalistic that we just confine ourselves to thinking on a legalistic view, but rather we understand that Jesus' real message here and mission is to change people's heart. So in verse 38, he says that you've heard it said that an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Now, this this came from the old law. It comes from Leviticus chapter 24 because it says that if a man causes disfigurement of his neighbor as he has done, so it shall be done unto him. Fracture for fracture, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, and so on. But think about the purpose. This was the law. And who enforces the law? Well, whatever legal system, whatever judicial system that you have, that's who enforces the law. But you see, what had happened is, over time, the Jews had perverted that and they they believed that that was a license to get revenge. So if somebody did something to you, it wasn't that the judicial authorities were going to take action on you and do, do unto them, but rather they would do that themselves, you see. So it became an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth on a personal level. So in essence, they took it to uh, authorize revenge. And that wasn't the intent of the law, but rather it was the intent that, that the judicial system would do that. So people would understand that if they committed a crime against somebody else, then the legal authorities would do that same thing unto them. And people could pretty well understand that. You can think about the Jews, though, in their history... And that might have worked pretty well back in the old days, back when they were a, were a nation, and a nation state, and they ruled themselves. But then think about all that time between when they split and, and they, were, they were carried into captivity and all the different nations that really ruled over them. So it became difficult for them to get the authorities to act upon these things. So they had resorted to doing... Uh, to taking vengeance or taking these things in their own hand. Well, what Jesus says, again, is challenging because He says, but I tell you not to resist an evil person, but whoever slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him, turn the other cheek to him also. Again, that's, that's so counterintuitive to our nature that our nature is that they did it to me. I have a right to get, th- get, e- get even, to make things right. Jesus says, don't resist. In other words, don't, don't counter an evil person with evil, but rather turn the other cheek. Now, again, I want us to caution against taking that to the extreme. Let's consider this. What about self-defense? Let's, use, let's just use a, a ridiculous scenario. So... Um, well, if we're supposed to not resist evil at all, does that mean that if, um, 
somebody came into your house and they wanted to to wipe out your family and you should just stand by and let that happen? Is that really what he's teaching here? I think if you think back to that slide, whosoever slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other to him also. That's what he's saying is that, and think about a slap. Now, a slap is painful, but mostly it's insult, isn't it? So if you're insulted, Jesus says that turn the other cheek and allow that to happen. Uh, let them do it again rather than, rather than uh, meet that on the same terms. But is that really a, a complete outlaw of any self-defense? I think that's, that's probably going too far. If you look in Luke chapter 22, Jesus said this. This was right after He had instituted the Lord's Supper. And it says, But He said unto them, When I sent you out without money. This is referring back to like Matthew chapter 10, when they went out two by two. And He says, When I sent you out without money bag, knapsack, and sandals, did you lack anything? So they said nothing. And they said to Him, But now, he who has a money bag, let him take it. And likewise a knapsack. And he who has no sword. Now this is Jesus speaking. He who has no sword... Let him sell his garment and buy one. If self-defense were completely outlawed, why would Jesus say that? For I say unto you, this which is written must be accomplished in me. He understood that his time was nigh and he was soon to be, he was soon to be uh, offered at the cross. We remember the incident of the sword in Philip, that uh, Philip took one of those swords and he Knocked off one of those guys' ears as they came to arrest Jesus. And Jesus healed the ear and He said, don't, don't do that right now. Because in essence, he, I think He's saying that although we have a right to defend ourselves, for the greater purpose of God, I'm going to permit this to happen and I'm going to be taken into custody. And I'm going to meet the... Uh, Meet the judgment that because that was God's will. And so, again, I think we can take these things to the extreme and, and get completely out of what he, what he's saying is, is that we ought to have a humble enough heart to accept insult or, or injury without being vengeful. Not to be, not to necessarily preclude defending oneself, defending one's property, defending one's loved ones. He goes on in verse 40 and he says, If anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, that was the tunic was the inner coat. And from what I understand that this was not a hugely expensive garment, but it was, it was, you know, common dress in the day. And he said, If someone wants to sue you, take you to law and take away your coat, or then, then let them have the outer garment. The outer garment was a heavier garment. It protected you against the weather. And so it was a more expensive garment. So Jesus is saying that if they want something like, like just your, the shirt off your back, give them the coat also because it's not that big of a deal. Go ahead and, and allow yourself to be, uh, to be defrauded in that way. Uh, the Apostle Paul, again, this is talking about Christian to Christian, but he says this in, in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Now, therefore... It is already an utter failure that you go to law against one another. Christians were taking each other to law. They were going to court against one Christian against the other. And he says, 
Why do you not rather accept wrong? Why do you not rather uh, yourselves let yourselves rather be cheated? So again, we're talking about we're talking about material things here, and we're and he's not talking. Notice he doesn't mention that if they want to take your whole fortune, you should let them have it. I mean, think about let's again go to the extreme and think if it makes any sense. What if uh, the disciples had done that back? They had. They had. Uh, what if they had just given away everything that they had? Well, they would have nothing to go forward and and continue the mission of Christ after he was put to death. Whosoever compels you to go with him one mile, go with him two. Now, this was a common thing also in the day that if a Roman bureaucrat, uh, someone who represented the government, he could go to a person and say, I need your help, and I need you to help me transport this item. And the rule was this, you had to go with him one mile. Not two, one mile. That was the, that was the law. What Jesus is saying that if someone compels you to go one mile, go ahead and go the extra, go two miles. Because again, what's he getting at? He's getting at a a humble heart, a person that's willing to serve, a person that's willing to go above and beyond. Give to him who asks you, and from him who wants to borrow from you, turn not away. So, uh, we're to be a, we're to be a cheerful giver. We have, uh, again, an example. We have, uh, from time to time, we'll have people come to the church and they'll solicit help. And for the most part, we try to help those people. But at the same time, there's a balance. Because what if we gave away every penny in the treasury? Well, then there'd be no money to support evangelists and, and the Word of God would begin to, you know, not go forth the way it should. And so, you know, I think, again, Jesus is, the message is the heart has to be right. We have to have a humble heart that's willing to accept that some people are in need and when they are, we need to be willing to step forward and do what we can to assist them. And so then he gets into this and it seems to just get harder and harder, doesn't it? And this one to me is the hardest. You've heard that it was, that it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless those that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for those who despitefully use you and persecute you. That to me is the most challenging one because, again, our human nature tells us, yes, if someone treats me well, I want to be around that person. It's easier for me to love that person. I can respond in kind. But when someone is hateful to me, when someone treats me poorly, what Jesus is saying is, you need to have the right heart toward that person. And you need to show love for that person as well. The best that you can. Now, think about the ultimate example of that. It's Jesus, isn't it? That He was willing to die for people that hated Him that were disobedient to Him. And we know that time to time, we're disobedient to what He asked us to do. And yet, through all of that, He still 
loves us. Now, the closest thing in the world I can think of to that is a parent's love. A parent loves a child regardless, unconditionally, regardless of their behavior, regardless of their mistakes, regardless of the fact that they may say, I don't love you. The parent loves that child unconditionally. Sometimes disappointed in them, no doubt, but still continues to love them. And so Jesus says that that's the, that's the kind of love we should aspire to. Not just a love that reciprocates love from one that loves us, but one that shows love to our enemies. Why? What's the purpose of that? Well, I think he spells it out right here. That you may be the sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes his son to rise on evil and the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. You think about a world where good and bad things are happening to good and bad people. That there's people out there that that are unjust, and there's bad things, and there's good things that happen to them. And the same is true for Christians. That we are having a relationship with God does not, is not an insurance policy against bad things happening to us in this life. I think most of us have been around long enough. We recognize that that's very true. So we have this playing field out there where good and bad things can happen. And the question is, is what's the culture of our family that, and how we handle it? And I think that Jesus, just like a parent, sitting down or raising a son, as I have the picture up here on the, on the screen, um, that parent is raising that child in their image. They're endowing that child with family values. What's important to that family? The values and the heart and the way that that family thinks. That's what you want to teach your kids. That's exactly what Jesus is doing from the Sermon on the Mount. He's saying that these are the... If you want to be a child of God, if you want to love like God, if you want to be His child, this is, what I, this is the life I call you to. I call you to one that's willing to give... I call you one that's, that's willing to accept insult. I call you to one that, that's going to be like your Father, which is in heaven. For if you love those that love you, what reward have you? That's, there's nothing, you've done nothing beyond what a normal person would do. Do not even the tax collectors do the same? You don't have to be a, you know, you think about, the most vile person in the world, there's probably going to be a person or two that love them and they probably have some measure of love back for that for the people that love them. So, but he's saying there's no reward in that. And if you greet your brethren only, what do you more than, the, than others? Do not even tax collectors do so? So again, there's nothing in that The challenge is to be perfect like our Father is in heaven. And that is to love where love would seem to not belong. To treat people with love and respect when we don't want to. And again, isn't that challenging enough? 
Isn't that some of the hardest stuff that we can we can think about in the scriptures to do is to have love for a person that clearly doesn't have that for us. You, you, again, you look at the picture of the of the family over there, and a parent tries to teach their children. They try to impart the values of that set of parents. That's what they do. Jesus is trying to do that here with us. He's trying to tell us, this is how you act as a child of God. Romans chapter 8, the Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with Him, that we also may be glorified together. To aspire to being perfect. Not that we'll ever obtain it. Are there going to be times that we fall back into hate and our heart gets hard again? Always. It's a, it's a daily battle. Your battle against your heart is your most challenging battle. So you can, you can change your behavior. You can know how you should respond. But that is on a completely different plane than where Jesus asked us to play here in the Sermon on the Mount. That we need to have a heart that's right. We need to try. The way that you do that, the way that you do that, is to spend lots of time in prayer. Spend lots of time in His Word. To put those things that He teaches in our heart, that when we face challenges in life, we respond the way that... He would have us to respond. Think about if you were raising a child. How much would you talk to that child about how they should handle various situations? You would communicate with that, them constantly because you want them to be ready to, to handle the challenges that they're going to face in their life. Well, think about that if we never read God's Word, it's never in our hearts, how are we going to respond the way He would have us to respond? I think the answer is pretty clear that we're not. So why is this so difficult? Why is the heart so difficult to uh, to get in a position that Jesus tells us where it sh- that it should be? And I think it's because of our pride. You think about being insulted and not responding with insult. You think about somebody defrauding you and not wanting to get even. You think about somebody taking your money and not wanting to get it back, plus maybe a little bit more to compensate you for your trouble. It's pride. It's pride. We we often think that we're too good to deal with those kind of things. And yet you see people that go through difficult things in life that they didn't bring on themselves. Yancey mentioned this morning, uh, Cammy, Cammy Nelson, that... Uh, is it really fair that her life has been one that she's dealt with cancer for all these years? That's, that's incredibly hard. That's incredibly... Un- so, for now think about that, and then think about, as you, as you think about how you might be defrauded out of $10 or $20, does it really compare with that? No. God calls us to bear whatever cross that we have to bear, just like Jesus bore the greatest cross of all. And that though He didn't deserve it, He went and He died in your place for, for you and for I, 
for people who didn't love Him first, for the people that put Him up there on the cross, condemned Him to a death that He didn't deserve. And yet, He said, lay this not to their charge. The ultimate uh, living out the message that he, he conveyed here in Matthew chapter 5. And so I hope this, that I've had something to say that has, has helped you to be more of a child of God and to love like He loves. Um, it's a daily challenge. You can beat it today and it'll still be out there for you to challenge, to challenge you tomorrow. Uh, this, this morning we're going to offer a song of invitation. Um, if we can pray for you, if we can do anything that will help you in that way, we, we're going to stand and sing this song that's been selected, and we ask you to come forward if, you, if we can meet your desires in that way. But mostly we'd ask you to consider your heart and do what you can to improve your life as you continue your walk with Jesus. Uh, may stand.